Welcome to The Grind, a podcast about the church planting process and missional strategies to make disciples of all nations. Coming to you from the offices of the Arkansas Baptist State Convention in Little Rock, Arkansas. Now, here are your hosts, Dave McClung and Chad Grigsby. Welcome back to the glorious, the incredible, the always unpredictable Grind Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, How about that for an intro? (laughs) I am Dave McClung, and with me, as always, is uh, the Rocky to my Boo Winkle, uh, (laughs) or the Boo Winkle to my Rocky. We're not sure which way that goes. Chad Grigsby. I was actually not with you last podcast, so I'm not always with you. You're right. Um, We we had a fill-in. Maybe in spirit. You Um, were. Yes. In fact, I'm kind of surprised that I'm here today and he didn't immediately get promoted. To, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I much rather hear Joey's voice than mine. But The, the fan mail poured in for one <laughs> Joey Cook, uh, yes. standing in for Chad Grigsby. But we love you too much, Chad, to uh, dismiss you that quickly. So, Well, who, who would you laugh at and make fun of if I wasn't? I, on the I don't know. I don't know. He was way too calm and uh, way too good looking sitting next to me. So, uh, Boy, that's, that's for sure. The good, <laughs> yeah. the, the good looking man. Yeah. Good to be back, Dave. Good to be <laughs> back right. in the saddle, though. Glad to have you back. Glad to have yeah. you back. Yeah. And so, uh, so we are excited to have our good buddy, <laughs> our um, uh, illustrious, magnanimous. Uh, I got to find some new adjectives. I'm just, I'm running out of brain power late in the day and so uh the 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 always voraciously talkative uh james turner from encounter church in hot springs what's up buddy nothing (laughs) he's not gonna say (laughs) a word now (laughs) (laughs) no i will say uh chad joey is uh um probably as qualified as you are just saying (laughs) maybe a little more i would say yeah more so yeah there's no 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 there really aren't that many qualifications for hosting a podcast. <laughs> That's right. Do yeah. you have a microphone? Yeah. Do you have a computer or some way to record the podcast? In fact, everyone is doing a podcast now. I know. Um, I'm, I'm actually not. Um, I don't want to hear myself speak. You, so, will, uh, you will soon enough. Yeah. Nice. We, we don't like hearing ourselves speak either. But, uh, you know, for me, with my accent, I always give people hope uh, that, uh, and, and kind of, you know, just affirmation that everybody, everybody sounds better than me. So, uh, uh, that bumbling hickish idiot, if he can do this, then anybody can do this. So, wow. I, I mean, I wasn't going to say any of that about you, (laughs) but okay. (laughs) Oh goodness. Yeah. Well, you know, we we have fun with it, uh, whether we we know what we're doing or whether we should be doing this or not. It's it's not really not a question of can you do this? It's should you do this? And we determined "Ah, probably not, but we're going to do it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So we have we have not thought through the ethical implications of Chad and I hosting a podcast together. And so so my question is, does Sonny look at this ever? Oh, I, I doubt it. Okay. <laughs> I, mean, no, I, I don't know We're if you listened to the episode that we did with him. And so, uh, yeah, no, uh, I, I would, my response to that would be, I think Dr. Tucker values his time more than that. Yes. So. And, and, uh, plausible deniability is a great thing. When <laughs> yeah. somebody asks, did you listen to those idiots on the podcast? No, I, 
are they doing a podcast? I didn't know they were doing a podcast. <laughs> so, That's great. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so we, we try and protect him that way. Uh, and uh, so, so we're anyway. all safe. Yeah, yeah, we are. I just, I'm just wondering where the parameters are so I know what to do. Oh, gosh, yeah. Let's not talk parameters. That just okay. that makes it too formal. So, anyway, well, we, man, we're excited to have you on here and uh, uh, get to visit with you and talk church planting. And, and you are kind of unique uh, in our list of podcast guests because you are a glutton for punishment and may have a sadistic streak uh, in that you have planted many churches, not just several. I think you've kind of gone over into the many category. Uh, a plethora of church plants, as, as you would say. And we know what a plethora is. Uh, and so... Uh, <laughs> For those of you that do not know, it means a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So all different kinds, all different stripes. Uh, and so when did, you, when did you start? When did you plant your first church? How old were you when you did that? Because you were in Florida then, correct? Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, we let's see. It was 1998. We um, we actually did a relaunch in '98, and um, so that was my first pseudo plant. It was <laughs> taking over and revitalizing a church that, uh, or attempting to. The problem with most of the church plants that we've done, Dave, is that people only remember the last one that you've done. And for us, this one's been really good. It's the rest of them that we just really don't talk about too much. <laughs> yeah. We all have those experiences. <laughs> those are the ones we're most interested in. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's great. Thanks. <laughs> so let's see. If 98 was when you did that one. Then you were what? 12. Cause you know, maybe, maybe, maybe 13. 13. No, let's see. I would have been in 98. I can't do the math in my head, but. That was just 20 years, yeah. bro. It's straight yeah. even numbers, just minus yeah, 20, whatever you are right now. Yeah. yeah, but I don't know what I am right now. Actually, I was, <laughs> I was 26. So, yeah, so you're 46. No, I'm kidding. Dude, man, yeah. stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. So, okay. So from age 26 to age 56, uh, 40. wait, 46, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, you know, Give us kind of the top three things you've learned as, as through what seven plants, replants, kind of all rolled in seven different ones. That right? Is that what I heard you say? Seven, seven plants and or replant restructurings, um, and working on another one right now. So right, um, right. as a campus plant, so right. seven point so, two five, we'll say. <laughs> yeah. So so okay. So since twenty years seven plants or replants what are the top three things you've learned in all of that um i would say one is have a massive amount of grace for everyone around you and yourself um because of the seven four of them uh were not great um one of the not great still functioning and still going it's probably going better now without me um <laughs> Three of them are still functioning. Um, obviously, Encounter is one of them, and it's doing amazing. And then another uh, launch that we did with the church that is um, still doing fabulous. So, you know, out of seven, two, I would say, are are doing very, very well. Um, and then there's a, there's a 
kind of a, um, a spectrum of non-existent to healthy mm-hmm. um, with the rest of them. Um, we learned a lot of trial and error. When we started planting churches 20 years ago, there was no church planting anything. There, there was no church planning office at the state convention. There was no ARC. There was no multiplication network. There was no any of the groups that anybody wants to talk about. They didn't exist. And so we, we, were, we were really just trying to figure it out. And um, I really should probably go back 20 years and apologize to a lot of people uh, for putting, putting them through what we did. But it's been an amazing journey. And I'm hoping that now we know maybe more what to do and what not to do, but it's probably the opposite. It's probably we know more not to do. Yeah. And we just don't do that anymore. So. Yeah. So lots of grace for people lots of grace. in terms of leaders, in terms of just people wrestling with sin and life transformation and flesh that out a little bit. Um, I think all of that. Um, so let me talk about internal first and we'll talk about, then I'll talk about external internal. I think having a lot of grace for your own yourself. Um, pastors, I mean, Christians are horrible at it anyway, but pastors are probably the worst. We beat ourselves up a lot. I could have done that message better. I wish I had treated those people better. I wish I had been there more for whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, church planting, you don't have anybody else to really blame, and you don't have anybody else in a lot of ways to lean on. So, Oh, there's always somebody to blame. Oh uh, yeah, well, I mean we can try, but they just leave, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know. Um, so when it's just you and your wife, I mean Deidre and I, um, we we've we've been in ministry together since um, right after we were married. We youth pastored first for uh, four years, and then we were um, brazen idiots and said, "Let's go plant a church." Um, with again, no support, no we we had no idea what we were doing, and. Um, and I say that when I mean, we took over a fledgling congregation, had 35 people. When we walked in the door, we successfully took it down to about eight. Um, and then re and then tried to do this whole relaunch. It was just, it was crazy. Um, but again, we didn't know what we were doing and we didn't have anybody to call. Yeah. Um, everybody we called had been pastoring for years and they didn't even know how to quantify church planting. They were just go to a town, you stay there the rest of your life. Um, and that's what you do. And, and so when we asked them for anything creative or trying to be innovative at all, no, there just wasn't anything there. And then um, all of a sudden, Andy Stanley started coming out with some amazing stuff about um, how to uh, engage culture. And so we had to really look back and allow ourselves the grace of being able to say, man, we had no idea what we were doing. And that was kind of okay. And then I think you got to have a lot, a ton of grace, especially in church planting. I mean, in general, we've got to have it, but in church planting, man, you've just got to have a ton of grace for the people around you because they're, they're trying to figure it out just like you are. Um, You don't have prescribed procedures, ways that we've done it for 40 years. I mean, we are literally defining everything. We defined what children's ministry looks like. We define everything. In fact, when we first started church planning, first thing I did was go back to the book of Romans and I taught through the book of Romans so that we could define what grace and salvation even looks like for us as a church. And, um, and, and that's really what we've done is every step of the way we've had to define it. So I think first one is just a massive amount of grace 
for yourself, grace for the people around you. They're going to mess up. They're going to not grasp your vision immediately. You're going to walk in and say, you know what, everything I just told you was wrong. Let's try this again. And um, I think if you model grace to them and model grace for yourself, they will be more likely to to follow it too. So I think that that's the first one. How many did you say? Three. Two or three? Number two. Three, okay. Number two, I would say, is uh, one of my favorite statements, life is a marathon, not a sprint. Um, church planting, man, I know I've had the tendency every single time, and I probably will in, in the new endeavors we're talking through, but you hit the ground running at 100 miles an hour, you give it everything you've got, and you do not care about tomorrow. That's, I think, the nature of church planters. They're adrenaline junkies. Um, and a little bit sadistic, as you so <laughs> magnanimously put at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Um, which means, in layman's terms, that we're all just a little crazy. Yep. Um, and I think you have to be to be a church planner. Yeah. Normal people don't do this. Um, <laughs> they just, I don't know one church planner that's normal, not that's succeeded and done anything. Yeah. Um, but um, I think realizing that there is always going to be tomorrow. I had someone today call me and they said that, you know, life is just falling apart. Everything's chaotic. And I said, okay, let me ask you a question. They said, yeah. I said, has anyone died? And I said that kind of tongue in cheek to kind of lighten it up. But their answer was, well, no, no, no one. I said, okay, then now let's be serious and and real. Cause I know, and I knew it wasn't that serious. I said, if no one's died, then it's not final. There's always tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Take a deep breath. Trust God. Tomorrow may or may not be better, but he will get you through it. Yeah. And, and I think that that's part of the, the biggest thing is realizing it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. All right. Number three, number three, um, math is not, it's just really not a strength for you. (laughs) (laughs) Number square. (laughs) You totally, you totally totally put a bow on it at number two. Yeah. (laughs) Number three. Okay, so let me let me share something with everyone on this podcast. I was raised um, different than most of the people on this podcast, um, and yet in some ways very much the same. I was raised in a Pentecostal environment, which means when we did a close, we closed four or five times. That was just my second close. It's like second so breakfast. I put a bow on it, but I'm exactly, but I'm starting again. So yeah. it's really done. So you you've know. had second breakfast, okay. and now you're on to elevensies. And so, uh, <clears throat> Levensies, we call it brunch in the yeah. fancy world. Yeah. Um, Dave, um, but in the Hobbit world, it's Levensies. So, I just okay. Well, you ele- we'll do the Levensie now. So, no- <laughs> so number, number next two. would be, yeah. Oh, Lord. I've, I don't even, I got a couple. Let me, let me, let me roll it into two. Um, I believe relationships are absolutely <laughs> vital. <laughs> yeah. Let me roll and one into two here. <laughs> exactly see i can't count the three so how can i put one in one i gotta do two in one yeah yeah. come on leave me alone Um, so relationships are absolutely vital and collect all the experiences you can not stuff i think they tie together at least in my head right this second um i know the relationships with you guys the relationships with with people who have been my friends for a long time they are absolutely what carry you through a church plant because people are mean people are um disloyal at times people are um all the bad stuff and yet at the same time people are the most wonderful amazing creations on the planet 
but sometimes it's hard to see the wonderful, amazing creation for the jerks. So you need somebody around you that is just going to be your friend. And um, uh, uh, we've been very privileged, especially since planting Encounter with you guys and uh, Tim and all the guys um, and Neil at the church planning office have been amazing. And then we've got friends, I mean, friends since Bible college that have just been there um, the whole time. So I think that's huge. And then collecting experiences, not, not stuff. We, we spend so much time trying to just have more stuff that I think being able to, to share those experiences with the people around you, um, share those experiences with the, uh, the people that are planting with you. Um, I grew up in a church that was not relational at all. We didn't like each other and we weren't really afraid to even admit it. Um, we just didn't, we didn't hang out with each other. Church was over and everybody ran for the car. Um, one of the things that we started when we started encounters in our living room and it was purely relational. We didn't have anything to offer anybody. We didn't have a children's ministry. In fact, our children's ministry was people, the kids were basically just running around our house. Um, so this was end of September or so. October, it starts getting cold at night. One of the moms looked at me and she said, you know, it's starting to get cold. What are we going to do with our kids? And in true church planting fashion, I said, well, tell them to run faster. They'll stay warm. <laughs> yeah. That was my answer. And I was, yeah. I was kind of serious because I didn't yeah. have any, I mean, we didn't have any place to have a children's ministry. So, um, so we didn't have anything to offer anybody. I mean, we, it was just, it was us. If you like us, hang out with us. If you don't like us and you're looking for the best band in town or you're looking for the best facility, then, you know, there's 15 other churches in town that could give you that. Um, but if you want to hang out with us, man, our living room's open. Yeah. And so, so that's, that's how we, and what we still focus on. Yeah. That's great. I got a couple of follow-up questions to that that do, do not involve arithmetic. Um, <laughs> yes. Thank so- God. I didn't know there'd be any math in this podcast. Man, <laughs> questions. What is what is the most important change that you're going to have to make in a replant? That's the first. So when when you were replanting, what do you think's just the number one thing that you if you're going to replant it, it's going to go well? You got to do this. That question. Then number two, what do you think's the biggest difference between a plant and a replant? Wow, let's just go straight for the jugular. Um, okay, so <laughs> biggest, biggest, do the first question one more time. I want to make sure I answer correctly for you. Yeah, the biggest change or adjustment change. that there you have go. to make okay. in a in a replant to really get it to, to kind of replant, to get it to go. Because replant brings with it this idea that there's already something existing there and yeah. it's not going well or you would you know, wouldn't need need to replant. Yeah. So there's a lot of things you can change and we could get into that, but, but we don't really have time for that. So what's kind of the most important thing? Well, a replant is exactly what it's saying. And so if you're looking at it from a planting perspective, you have to, if you're replanting a, a, um, a, a plant, a pot or a tree or whatever, one, you're putting it in a different location. I think the location is huge because the mindset is going to be the same. If you're trying to replant um, we, we talked to a church recently, Dave and I did, and they were wanting to do a replant, but they're basically wanting to do the exact same thing they've always done with the same people they've always done in the same building. They've always done it. They just want to do it with a new pastor. That's not a replant. That's hiring a new pastor. Mm-hmm. Um, a replant means you have to go back to the drawing board and redesign who you are. I think the mm-hmm. biggest point is 
you've got to start with a with a blank whiteboard and you've got to look at it from the perspective of what we're doing is not working we need to fix it not what can we hold on to and still possibly change some things because it just doesn't it just doesn't work uh, um that's I've a, done, that's a I've, great thought right there it, you know it's it, perspective is you know what what do we need to change to to get where we want to go versus what do, what little do we have to change exactly uh, to get where exactly. we want to go to because because mm -hmm. we want to hang on to all this stuff uh and not change anything really but you know to have something different yeah. I got a friend of mine in, in California right now that is, they just sold their building and they're doing a replant. They're doing a replant because of the numbers. Uh, they've been a steady decline. They have been, you know, the typical, atypical church that needs to replant in our society right now. Um, the only thing that they had going for them tremendously is they had a building in Southern California that they got a cash offer on for almost $2 million. So they're going to be a replant that's going to be light years ahead of anybody else in a replant because of their building. That's going to give them some funds. But he asked me the first thing he said is what do I need to do um, to replant the church? And I said, take everything off the table, start with a blank table and then go through and pick who do we want to be as a church, yeah. get the people around you that are going to help identify that. This one's going to hurt a lot of people, but sometimes John Maxwell says the first thing that, that you do when you walk into a business that's failing is you fire the leader. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, sometimes that means looking at the leadership and going, if we're going to make this change, like if we really are going to make this change and you want to do a replant, we need everybody on this board to resign, every deacon to resign, every trustee to, to resign. And they may, you may put them all right back. They may be amazing people. But I think if if the leadership's not willing to take the, make the hard calls, it doesn't matter about the the brick and mortar. It doesn't matter about what your signage looks like. Yeah. It doesn't matter what your byline is or your values or your vision statement. Um, your DNA is not going to change because you've got the same people trying to do the same thing they've always done, and they may be amazing people. They could be great people, but they're stuck in something. Yeah. Um, I've I've had to look at in even just in four years. It's amazing how settled you get quickly um andy stanley says in six months everything around you becomes invisible uh, you no longer notice what's wrong you never you no yeah. longer notice what's broken um, we're four years old which means we're eight cycles into things being completely i'm blind to them now and uh, and i've had to look at people as recently as two months ago great people people that i love dearly people who i've got relationship with because of the style and way we do ministry and I've had to look at them and say, I love you. You're an amazing person, but you're not going to help us get where we need to go. Can we find you something else to do? Can we figure out some other place for you to be? But this position's outgrown you. And nine times out of 10, they don't stay. And that's the hard part because yeah. especially if you're relationally driven. Yeah. Yeah. So the first one, man, I, I said a lot of stuff, but I'd say, um, you got what's the most important thing it's everything it's you can't replant <laughs> yeah. and hang on to stuff you, you leadership leadership new leadership would be key you know yeah yeah and all that yeah. yeah all right what's the difference between a plant and a replant um the main, the main in difference. a plant you don't have to dig up somebody else's roots and pull them out of the way 
You don't have stuff in the way that. <laughs> I mean, it's just there's nothing there. You've got you've got you've got absolutely virgin soil. <laughs> you get to make your own problems. <laughs> oh yeah, and you will. Yeah, and somebody else gets to clean them up later. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's, get, that's the best part. Make your own messes. I tell I tell guys all the time that you know, great thing about church planning is you got a clean slate. You can put anything on it. The tough thing about church planning is you got a clean slate. And you got to put something on it. Uh, mm. Think about replanting. Yeah. If you're working with somebody else's slate. Uh, there's already stuff on it. And so then you have yeah. to decide what do we take off and what do we put, you know, put back on. So, well, I think, a, I, I think a healthy church, once it's planted constantly becomes a replant. Yeah. I think constantly you've got to be yeah. reevaluating every system, every structure, every person, every position. If you're not constantly reevaluating it. I mean, we reevaluate everything every Tuesday night, everything. We go around the table and say, what do we have to fix? What do we have to do better? We actually ask four questions. What's, what do we do right? What do we do wrong? What do we, what's missing? Uh, what, we just didn't do it at all. And what was absolutely confusing? We ask those four questions every week. What's right? What's wrong? What's missing? What's confusing? And we go around the table. And if we did something right, we celebrate it. We high five each other. Um, I buy cans of Rockstar and I hand them out to people. You're a rock star this week. When we do something wrong, we own up to it. We say, dude, that was mine. I screwed that up. Do you and take the rock find, star back then? Um, I take a drink it myself. Um, <laughs> Before you give it to them? Do I give it to That's when I say, I'm the rock star. Can, no. You um, give them a, a bag of uh, pork rinds or something like that? Pork rinds if they're Ooh. bad, yeah. Funyuns. You're Funyuns. the Funyuns. I like Funyuns. I can't do pork rinds. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, but I, I think you've got to constantly be replanting. And, and I think that if you're a successful church, replanting, is something you have to do every single week. It's it's um, interesting you mentioned that when we were up at Resonate Church in uh, Washington, uh, the guy who leads leads up there, um, Keith Weezer, I think it's his name. He he talked about how churches have life cycles. Yeah, and if if you stay on the same life cycle you are, eventually you get to plateau. Eventually get you get to decline, and eventually you no longer exist. Every church right. has a life cycle. Right. So he talked about what they're trying to do to resonate is consistently restart their, their life cycle, mm-hmm. kind of reinvent themselves, if you will, before so you plateau, before yeah. you plateau. And I think that's kind of what you're talking about is how do we start new life cycles? You know, how do we, uh, how do we continually readjust and refocus? And, and I mean, you can probably do that too much and wear out your people where you don't do the same thing twice. Right. But if you don't do that, you, you eventually die. So you right. do it's have to do that. That's good. We call it we call it the doom loop. You get to the top of that, <laughs> almost like a roller coaster, and you get ready to hit that free fall. So we say, okay, we're getting to the top of this. We feel like we're starting to peak out. How do we jump to the next one without this doom loop, where it just continues to cycle over and over and over, and you get to the top, and then you cycle down, and you get to the top, and you cycle down. And I've been in churches that uh, – I've pastored churches that we've done that for years where you get in these cycles of growth and then you lose everything you grew that year Mm -hmm. and you just keep going through the same thing. And so part of our evaluation process, and I think the balance there to Chad is, is being able to celebrate the wins. If all it is is corrective, people get frustrated. They don't, the balance is we did that. You did that right. Thank you. You did that right. Celebrate. Um, and then when you do that, I think people are much more apt to take the corrective measures Yeah. because they know if I get it right, they're going to tell me I get it wrong. Right. And then if I get it wrong, 
back to what I said at the beginning of this, this podcast, we're, we're lacing it with so much grace that um, even when we do get it wrong, we're not, I'm not firing somebody over getting something wrong. In fact, there's only two reasons I've ever let somebody go. One is if they're in blatant, unrepentant sin. I mean, that's just is what it is. Um, but the other one is if they just absolutely violate our value. That doesn't mean they try something to get it wrong. It means that our values were violated. Um, the person I just had to have a conversation with about going to the next level is because they were violating values. It wasn't because they weren't leading a certain thing well or an event didn't do good. Yeah. Cool. So uh, those are good questions. Uh, great stuff there. Um, you guys have established a pretty great presence in Hot Springs, and you're a master networker. Part of it is because you're an extrovert and you never meet a stranger, uh, but uh, which is important, you know, in, in networking. But, you know, what would you, what would you say? You guys have really connected well with Hot Springs. and You continue to grow. You continue to see new people. Uh, you just had a great big Easter Sunday with, what, 51 professions of faith, something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Getting ready to have a big baptism day. Uh, you know, what, what would you say are some, you know, key components to really connecting with a community, you know, for young guys getting started? Where would you, where would you say, hey, start here? build these relationships here, you know, here's how you get your finger on the pulse of the community. You know, what are some tips you'd give you guys to really connect well with the community like you guys have in Hot Springs? Get out of their office. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, seriously. Um, Dave, we've had this conversation. We had a. Yes, Dude. it was. <laughs> um, if you want to be a, I think the question is this, do you want to be a preacher or do you want to be a church planner? Yeah. Um, now, being say, a church planner yes. means you means you get to preach. Right. But I don't get 15 hours a week to study. Right. Um, I, maybe someday I will. I don't know. Um, my, here's my here's my anybody that's um, over any Bible colleges. Here's my qualm with Bible colleges. They teach you very well how to study, how to get into the Word of God, how to how to do that portion. But there's there's very little, and I know some are making some huge strides in the church planning side and whatever, and I applaud them. But when I was in Bible college, there was nothing for actual ministry. I mean, we took a class on on premarital counseling, and I took a class on marriage counseling. Um, everything else was, you know, study, biblical study, history, that kind of thing, which are valuable, important, necessary tools. I'm, I'm not short-circuiting um, any of that or trying to shortcut any of it. But um, I, I spend in a normal work week, and let's just use, I have no, I have no idea how many hours I work a week. I, I stopped keeping track of that a long time ago. Um, but I'm going to say at least 70% of my time is outside of my office. Mm -hmm. It is. And, it's, and that doesn't mean it's at my house. <laughs> so everybody's, oh, you're a pastor. You work on one day a week. Um, I, I am literally, I'm in a coffee shop. I'm in a restaurant. I'm at a, you know, somebody else's place. I'm meeting somebody. Um, when we first started, I was bivocational. And so I was limited quite a bit. And so for the bivo guys, I would say network anywhere you possibly can within the area that you're already working. Um, I joined the chamber of commerce because the place where I worked wanted me to join a chamber of commerce. I joined the rotary club because the place where I worked wanted me to join rotary. And while I was talking about where I was working, I always threw in there and we're planting a church and we, and nobody cared about where I worked at that point. They were like, Oh, tell me about the church. And so, um, 
so I, I used those events. Once I was able to no longer be bivocational, um, I started just hanging out at coffee shops. Um, there's a coffee shop in Hot Springs, Collective. I can walk in Collective right now. Everybody there knows me. Um, I can walk in and sit down, and they're talking to me, and they're asking me about church. They're asking me what's going on. So much that the people in the coffee shop have come up and sit down beside me and said, hey, can I just talk to you for a minute? Um, you don't have to be you know, beating on people's doors, handing out flyers, all the old stuff we used to do. You just got to be present. Mm-hmm. You got to be there. Be at school events. I volunteer to run sound for one of the high schools every time they do something. And I hate it. I despise <laughs> it. I'm not a sound guy. Yeah. I, and it's, it's, it usually ends up being for like junior high chorus. <laughs> and I hate, I, I do, I despise it. But you know what I love? Every single time it's done, they say, hey, big shout out to James Turner helping us with the sound. He's a pastor over at Encounter Church. We're so glad he's here helping us. Dude, I spent 45 minutes of my time. And they just shouted me out to it about 800 people. Yeah. Okay. Be present, be a part of your community, you know, just, just be there. I think that's huge. Yeah. Neil Cole said on his podcast, he said, yeah, my, my study time went from 30 hours to three hours and my preaching got better because he was out (laughs) in the coffee houses. He was out with people and all of a sudden it's, you know, it's scripture meeting real life and Jesus intersecting with people and lives being changed. And all of a sudden you have a whole bunch of new stories to tell uh, about how Jesus is alive and working. And, you know, that was was a pretty great. And everybody wants to hear the stories anyway. They they don't want to hear just dry lecture. They want to know what's going on. Yeah. And when you start telling them stories of, man, I was at the coffee shop and boom, or I was here and boom. And I was, and, and then you get another little perk. This is just for all the pastors that are listening in. When you tell people that you're at coffee shops a lot, they give you coffee gift cards for every event. <laughs> so. Bonus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. Well, get, yeah, I love the statement you made. Do you want to be a preacher or a church planner? Uh, you know, because there's limited time that you have to spend. Where do you need to spend it? Well, you need to spend it with people. And uh, yeah, relationships. Mean relationships your time with the Lord, you know, doesn't mean you dismiss that, but uh, but that that time of the Lord should feed that time with the people, and the time with the people Absolutely. should feed that time with the Lord. That you know, here's all this stuff. God, I don't have any answers to this. I need you to speak. I need you to you know, yeah. give yeah. wisdom, all this stuff. So, and being able to be real with people when you're sitting there in a coffee shop, not being turn off the preacher voice, turn off the yeah. Dude, they want somebody that's, they want somebody that is real. Somebody that's, they, they want Jesus. They don't even know it, but they don't want the Jesus they've seen on Christian television and wherever else. They want the Jesus that is, that is absolutely real. In fact, we just changed our vision statement. It was the whole, you know, we want, we exist to bring people to life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. So they can become fully devoted followers to Christ. I mean, it, this whole big thing, we just changed it to being, we want to be a real church that brings a real Jesus to real people. Yeah. And, and we say it over and over and over and over. We just want to be, we want to be real. We want to sit down with somebody that's going through all the garbage and crap that they can possibly handle, probably more than they can handle and look at them and go, man, I hear you. Yeah. I'm not going to give you a fake answer. I'm not going to give you a canned answer. I'm not going to read to you a chapter out of a book somewhere. I'm going to tell you, this is what God wants to do in your life. This is what we're here to help you with. And this is how God says he's going to get you the answers. And 
And when you do that, I, I don't think you can go wrong. Yeah. I, I've, yeah, I've been thinking about it here lately, kind of like this. You know, I want to show them the Jesus that sits down with the Samaritan woman at the well uh, yeah. and listens to her questions and answers her questions and loves on her in that moment when nobody else would. Uh, I mean, it's, that, that, that story, that picture is just one of the greatest pictures of who Jesus is and what he, he does with us that I think we have in scripture. And yeah, I want, I want people to know that Jesus, uh, that, and he did it right in front of everybody. Hey, everybody. That's the thing that yeah. kills me. Yeah. We all, everybody wants to hang out with the right people, the cool people, the money people, people, Jesus didn't, he sit down with people that, that he knew they were going to talk bad about when they left. Mm-hmm. I can't believe Jesus would be talking to that person. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he didn't care. It didn't bother him. Yeah. I mean, I sit in a coffee shop with people of all walks of life that'll come and sit down and talk to me, homeless people, rich people, people that have, you know, identity issues and all the stuff that we talk about in our society right now. And they just want, they just want somebody to listen and they will and have and do come to church Yeah, every week. I mean, we're seeing people every week show up um, that have said, and we would never be welcome. I had a guy walk in the door just two weeks ago, alcoholic, has been in, tr- in and out of treatment. His wife's trying to figure out what they're going to do with their life. They've got kids, the whole thing. He said, I was going to a church for a while. They found out about the alcoholism. And he said the trustee or the deacons brought him in. Um, and they asked him basically what was going on with his life. And he came very transparent with him. And they said, this is probably not the church for you. Mm. And he said, my office ball. And he said, am I welcome to this church being an alcoholic? And I said, welcome. <laughs> this is why we started this church. Yeah. You're the reason we're here. You're not welcome. You're the reason we exist. Mm-hmm. And the dude just broke and just, I mean, we've got him involved in men's ministry. We've got him involved in a small group with a bunch of guys that are holding him accountable. Um, has he been clean the whole time? I don't know. Will he remain clean if he has? I don't know. Yeah. But I do know that Jesus still loves him just as much as he does me, probably even more. So it's it's worth fighting through the mess. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think Chad locked up there. He's got a very intense look on his face. (laughs) Yeah, you are. You You are. are. You are. Hey, I'm going to hit pause. All right. All right. right. So, man, James, thanks for being on. We're going to wrap up with our uh, really important questions now. I mean, everything else was kind of a precursor to this. And uh, the section we call rapid fire. And uh, these are, uh, they really are kind of the questions of the universe. Uh, everybody wants to know, everybody's asking. And, uh, and everybody wants to know what you think about these uh, hot button topics. So, uh, so we're gonna fire away here and just rapid fire answer, short, sweet to the point. Don't pull a, an Andrew Munnicky. Uh We've had to move on from Andy Swart because uh, Andrew Munnicky far out, Trumped uh, <laughs> Andy on the length of his answers. So uh, nice. Rapid fire means rapid fire. All right. So top one or two books that you've read had the most impact on you. 
Um, well, the Bible, of course. <laughs> I mean, yes. come on. And then, you know, every commentary on the Bible. Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. I'm, I'm looking back behind me just to get an idea. Andy Stanley's books on leadership have been amazing. I love those. Um, Communicating for a Change revolutionized the way I speak, um, which was Andy. Um, and then I think anything, uh, Patrick Lencioni from a leadership standpoint, organizational standpoint, yeah. um, will do you very well to read. So yeah, yeah. Big Lencioni fan. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, biggest strength in ministry, biggest weakness to overcome in ministry. Biggest strength. Oh Lord. Okay. So my greatest strength is always, my greatest weakness is the way I found it. So it's going to be a one statement. Um, I will run a hundred miles an hour. Um, it's great in that I get stuff done. It's bad that I don't probably think things through all the way. So <laughs> that, if you ask my wife, that will be the one she gives you. I don't, I don't stop for anything or anyone, which is great and horrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sonny says all the time, he said, he said, we pay attention to the red lights, but the yellow lights, we don't really pay attention to. We just kind of run on through those. <laughs> yes. Well, that means hit the gas, right? Yes, yellow? exactly. That's right. And, uh, and, and dude, I'm telling you, nine times out of 10, strengths are our biggest weaknesses as well. Those, those are kind of two sides of the same coin. And so, uh, all right. Uh, favorite pastime or hobby? Um, sitting on my deck with a cup of coffee in the morning, reading a great book as the sun comes up. That's my favorite, absolute favorite thing to do. Cool. I like it. I like it. I've got a screened in porch and that is my favorite spot to do. Not coffee though. I have a diet Coke or diet Pepsi. Yeah. Someday you'll be safe. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just not old enough to drink coffee yet. Oh, all right. What about your favorite movie, James Turner? Favorite movie? Oh, that's that's kind of easy. Hold on a second. I, I'm going to, for those of you that can't see this, you can't see this, but it is um, the original very first star Wars. Star Wars. So, a new hope. So are you excited yeah. about the solo movie coming out? Um, that's one word we would use. Okay. I'm, I'm hoping that it is. Um, I'm hoping it's good. I mean, yeah. Star Wars yeah. had this up or down little thing. So yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they have, uh, they have, I like the expanding universe myself. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah. I like to, I, I like, love, I love the whole Marvel universe thing too. I just think yes. it's cool how they tie everything together. Yeah. The intricacy is what I love. I liked, yeah. uh, I really liked um, Rogue One a lot. Mm -hmm. a lot, a lot. Yeah, they did good with Rogue One. Yeah. Um, okay. And then favorite band and or musician. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Who let the dogs out? By yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what I was gonna say too. Oh, yeah. So, man, uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Sorry about my dogs barking in the background. That's all right. Yeah. Whenever, whenever they're done stealing my thunder. It's yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. Let me, okay. Uh, um, parameter: Christian or non-Christian? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Okay, I'll do one of each for the for the people who are whatever and the people who have a life. Okay, so uh, Christian is Hillsong. Anything Hillsong, I love them. Non-Christian, uh, Bon Jovi. Oh, looky there, Bon Jovi. Yeah, Bon Jovi, all day long. <laughs> all if, right. you, if you sprinkle a little a little Bob Dylan in there, some too, I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, okay. 
uh, you and Wyman Richardson would uh, share that opinion. And so, uh, yeah. Yeah, he's just a nice guy. I can't help it. He's got good taste. Uh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, thanks so much for coming on with us and hanging out with us. Great stuff. And, uh, man, excited about what God's doing in, in, in Counter Church in Hot Springs. Uh, excited about your big baptism day coming up. And hope that goes well. And uh, so uh, keep plugging along, doing what you're doing. You be you, James Turner, and we'll sell it real. Thank you. See you guys. Peace out. <laughs> All right. See you.